0: Hello and welcome to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, founder of Style Story, where you can shop, learn and explore the world of Korean skincare and your guide to everything you need to know to perfect your Korean beauty routine at home. So for today, I wanted to discuss a topic that is very spoken about in Korean beauty. And we've touched on a whole lot of different issues around it before and a lot of the ingredients and things like that. But we've never actually had an in-depth discussion on the show about hanbang skincare and what it actually means, the kind of ingredients that are used, the principles it's based on. And probably most importantly, if you're thinking about actually going out and buying these products, whether they really work and whether they do what they say. So I have done an in-depth analysis. This is an area of the industry that I have you know, been familiar with, obviously, over the years. I've worked with a lot of different brands that do have hunbung as their core philosophy or at least their, their core marketing principle. Uh, and I'll get into that in a little bit more detail. But this is uh, a very big uh, area of the industry, particularly in Korea itself. And I want to go into a little bit more about why that is and touch on some Korean cultural points that you probably won't be familiar uh, with unless you are Korean, or maybe you've spent a lot of time here or studying it. So first things first is I thought it might actually help to start out with a definition. uh, Because this in Korea itself is a little bit contested. But I actually had a look in the Kugo Sajon, which is the Korean Dictionary in Korean, and they define it as And that basically means cosmetics that contain medicinal medicinal ingredients that are used in Oriental medicine. That is the official definition of hanbang taken from the Google Sergeant. So uh, I think for most Koreans, hanbang is is similar to han-yak, and that is uh, oriental medicine. So han-yak, Yuck, yak Yuck being medicine, so oriental medicine. And it really looks holistically at health. So health starting from the inside of the body and to the outside. Uh, And uh, Korean traditional medicine is practiced alongside Western medicine here in Korea. Most people will have a local Korean medicine doctor and pretty much every neighborhood has one. Um, I myself have one that I go to as well uh, and have gone to for quite a few years at this point. I originally started going to... um, um, a honey one is what they're called, which is basically just um, the place where uh, a d- the doctor practices oriental medicine. You go to a honey one and they do all sorts of t- kind of things. They can make up prescriptions for traditional ingredients for you um, in, you know, like a herbal sort of um, drink. Um, very, very earthy flavors, quite bitter a lot of the time. Uh, They also do acupuncture and things like that. Uh, And it is a whole field of study here. Uh, So... I I guess this style of cosmetics is very closely related to these principles as well, the kind of principles that are practiced um, at the Honey One and that come from Eastern medicine, Oriental medicine. So a lot of uh, Hanbang brands really believe that the main goal of Hanbang cosmetics is to restore the overall skin function rather than just be limited to, you know, the external causes of the skin conditions and skin concerns. So they often look at, uh, more about the combination and processing methods of the raw materials and emphasize that as opposed to fo- focusing on the efficacy of one raw material. Uh, But similarly to uh, the kinds of debates that you will hear going on in Western medicine, there is the same kind of confusion here in Korea around the efficacy of hanbang cosmetics. And, you know, organic cosmetics, are they inherently better? Do the ingredients perform differently on the skin? And, of course, the answer when it comes to most of these things is not necessarily. So I wanted to go into that in a little bit more detail and discuss some of the the marketing points, the key ingredients and things like that that you will see mentioned in, um, in and around Hanbang Cosmetics. And then also look at, you know, some of the issues with it, um, more generally, some of the popular brands, all of those things I'm going to cover off on that today. So look, I'm obviously not an oriental medicine specialist. Uh, my, you know, what I've managed to pick up from it is obviously through my own experiences going to my local Honey One, having, um treatments uh, from the doctor there and speaking to him and then also reading up on the principles of oriental medicine and there are some differences between chinese traditional medicine and korean so i'll go through those as well so in general broad sweeping over simplification but the main principles of oriental medicine really are that our bodies respond to the environment around us fairly uncontroversial you would think that kind of i think goes without saying that our body knows how to heal itself uh, that all of the different parts of the body are connected. You may have seen like facial mapping um, diagrams and things like that floating around online, and that will say, you know, if you're breaking out on your forehead, then that's connected to this part of the body. But that in and of itself is a principle of oriental medicine, that the parts of the body are interconnected. Uh, yin, yin and yang uh, are very um. Uh, I guess, well-versed principle in Asian cultures in general, which is the um, interconnectedness of the opposite forces. So that's another principle of Oriental medicine. And then also the concept that outside factors affect balance in the body Um, and so when you go and get diagnosed by um, a professional what you'll notice is they'll tell you your body's uh, you know internal mechanism because there are different types of bodies and some people run hot some people run cold these kind of things so myself I was told that I have a a lot of yo which is a fever or heat in the body and that is definitely true I know that um, from you know the conversations I've had with Western doctors as well. It's inflammation, right? Internal inflammation. So a lot of the medicines that I was prescribed when I went to the doctor were to try and bring that down, bring that temperature and that inflammation down from within within the body. So in terms of the key differences between traditional medicine and then Korean um, oriental medicine, is that there was, I guess, a different source document for the Korean ones, and that is the Tongi Bogan. And that was actually written in uh, the 15 to 1600s by a court physician, a very famous court physician known as Ho Jun. His name is sometimes also um, translated to Ho Kyun, I believe. Uh, but he was—he was on orders from the king. It took him sixteen years to write down, uh, you know, all of the different prescriptions, the herbs used, and things like that. Uh, so, it is one of the classics of Korean culture, the Dongyipogam, and it is known in English as the mirror of Eastern medicine. Uh, so, it has a lot of value, obviously, for the medical world, uh, but it also gives a really good snapshot at, about what was going on uh, philosophically in Eastern Asia at the beginning of the 17th century. And the underlying message of the Dongyu Borgam is that it is possible to keep the body in good health by maintaining its different energies, so everything in balance. Uh, And I guess one of the things that um, Ho was very famous for is that Back in Korea in those days, being a very classist society, you had the royal family at the top and then the young bun, who were, um, you know, the very well-to-do people connected usually to the royal family. And then you have the commoners. And for a lot of the uh, traditional medicine uh, that had been being performed at the time, you know, it was based on really rare and expensive ingredients that only wealthy people had access to, whereas he actually went a bit further than that and wrote down the names of herbs and whatnot that commoners could, c- could get their hands on to make medicine more accessible. Uh, so that is why this piece of literature is so important uh, and From that document's time onwards, there was this acknowledgement that a lot of diseases stem from the skin uh, and that skin beauty is important also because it reflects the inner health. If the skin is not healthy, then it's usually because there's something underlying going on there. Uh, And I guess so that is, you know, there are a couple of differences between the Chinese um, tradition and then the Korean tradition. And there is a big, big difference between how medicine uh, and sickness is, uh, you know, looked at in the West versus in the East. So in the West. Treatment is, uh, the, the it really is all about treating the disease. So, if someone becomes sick, we treat it. Whereas in oriental medicine, there's this dual role of reinforcing the uh, prevention and treatment as well. Uh, so you know, I, I've seen this even, so I've lived in Korea now, coming on to, so it's seven and a half years, and we have a very, very robust and really fantastic um, healthcare system that everyone in Korea can access. Uh, you know, you have to be living here, obviously, not just anyone, but and you can see this coming into it, this whole idea of prevention. Every two years, everyone in the country that is, you know, paying into the National Health Insurance Scheme is given a full medical checkup. And that is to check for everything from cancers to, you know, common things that crop up so that they can be caught in the beginning before they become really big problems later on down the line. And it's just not the the system that we have, certainly where I'm from in Australia, where it really is, uh, you know, it's hard to get into a lot of specialists and doctors. You have to wait ages to get your results back. You know, in Australia, if you go and have a blood test, you might not get the results of that blood test back for a week or two weeks, whereas that's just unheard of here in Korea. You know, if I need to go in for a blood test, I'll have the results back within a few hours. Uh, usually within two hours. So I've got the results right there to go and see the doctor. So it's just a very different approach. Uh, And prevention and treatment really do go hand in hand. And that is a fundamental principle of Eastern medicine as well. So then we come on to Hanbang itself, uh, Korean cosmetics, these traditional cosmetics. And what actually are they? So, there is actually a definition, albeit a very ambiguous one. So, the Ministry of Food and Drug Safety actually looked to put some guidelines in around labelling and advertising for these products all the way back in January 2012. So, they actually defined it as cosmetics that are used to manufacture herbal medicines, according to... And then they list several books and guides. So this is the translation into English, but the Korean Pharmaceutical Exhibition, the Korean Pharmaceutical Standard Book, the Temporary Regulations on Existing Chinese Medicine. So official books. And the herbal medicine books, they've got, you know, the Dongyi Borgam, obviously a very important one, and then other ones as well. So, they list where the um, the medicines should come from, and then they also say that herbal ingredients uh, contained in 100 grams of cosmetics should be converted into raw materials, and the combined weight should be more than one milligram. So what that really means in practice is that as long as 0.001% of the ingredients in the 13 herbal medicines listed are used, then you can advertise them as Oriental Medicine Cosmetics, Hanbang Cosmetics. So 0.001% is not a large amount. Uh, and you know, you might go, well, that sounds super dodgy. I think in reality, it is not uncommon for cosmetic brands to have ingredients at that kind of percentage and still be advertising their effects. Uh, the efficacy of cosmetics in general is not proportional to the content of active ingredients. There's a lot more that goes into it. Uh, but there are some issues with that uh that i'll go into later but there is a definition there are regulations around it but you can see that it is not a super high threshold or a super high bar um 0.001 percent of the total formula needs to comply with the existing herbal medicine books uh so that is the basic definition as given by the uh, mfds so in terms of some of the ingredients the korean herbal ingredients that you will often see are uh, being touted as good for the skin I'll start off with the most obvious one, which is red ginseng, hongsam, as it's called in Korea. And this is a very effective herbal ingredient. It is very revered. It's the kind of thing that you will often get given as a gift, uh, particularly around important holidays, because it has a lot of different benefits. Uh, You know, it comes in capsule, liquid uh, format, all different kinds of formats, and it is often included as a cosmetic ingredient as well and it has studied Um, you know, benefits, data that actually backs up its efficacy for the skin. Then there is just, of course, ordinary ginseng, which is not the same thing as red ginseng, but also has uh, different properties. It's it's said to strengthen immunity, to keep your skin healthy, anti-inflammatory and antioxidant. Uh, That also comes in capsules, powders, teas, lots of different formats. And it is sold at a lot of different price points, which have to do with the quality of the raw ingredient itself. Another one that a lot of our listeners will be familiar with if you are interested in Korean cosmetics is mugwort. And mugwort itself plays a very important role in the history of Korea. It actually appears in one of the founding myths uh, in Korea's history. And mugwort in general promotes blood circulation, and that obviously can make your skin healthy. uh, And it, In addition, you know, in history, in Korea, it was also crushed with garlic, mixed with honey, and spread onto the face. Uh, was thought to have a lot of different benefits. You'll see it in a lot of. I mean, it's in everything in Korea. You can eat it, you can drink it, you can like that. You can make mugwort cake, like mugwort latte. I've seen, uh, and then it comes in cosmetics as well. So a very, very popular ingredient, a local ingredient here in Korea. Another one is licorice, and it, that one is generally considered to have a whitening or brightening effect on the skin. It can also reduce inflammation uh, and. In oriental medicine, they generally tend to use the root of licorice and it can be boiled in tea, taken as medicine, lots of different ways to do it. Some other ones that you might not be as familiar with in terms of ingredients include jujube, um, pomegranate, That's another one uh, that has uh, good antioxidant action. Turmeric, which is also um, an anti-inflammatory as well. And turmeric is said to be effective for a lot of different skin diseases, dermatitis, uh, sensitive skin, atopy. Um, or, or things like that, anything that's looking for those antioxidant and antibacterial uh, effects on the skin. White tea is another really good one uh, because it is rich in uh, catechin, so it has a good antioxidant effect. Um, han Samin is another one that contains uh, various ingredients, ginseng, um, cordial red ginseng. Uh, that's another one that you'll commonly see used. Uh, one that is called Korean Angelica, and that's usually digested. Uh, but that one is known for its role in supplying moisture and nutrients to the skin. So lots and lots of different ingredients, more so than the ones that get a lot of airtime uh, and, you know, incorporated in lots of different ways, not just in um, cosmetics that you're applying to your face, but in, you know, different teas and potions <laughs> and things like that, Um that, you know, the doctor might actually prescribe to you. So, they're the kinds of things you will see if you start dabbling around in hanbang. Now, famous Korean hanbang brands. I think this is one of those areas where there is a really big differentiation depending on the market. So, in Korea itself, in addition to the really famous ones like Seol and The History of Who... Other popular local ones include Charm Zone, Koreana, uh, Suryohan, uh, which is uh, an LG household and healthcare brand, uh Gokseng, and Donginbi. They are all popular in Korea. There are more. There are lots of different ones. Uh, then you've got the ones that are trending and popular in China, which have changed a lot over the years. Uh, the ones that are popular in Southeast Asia. And then these days, lately, there are different ones that are popping up that are popular overseas. I'm thinking brands are like Beauty of Joseon that advertises themselves as Hanbang, Pyeongkang Yul, and even Misha over the years has had various Hanbang style lines. Um, Gong Jin was one of their, theirs uh, for a few years ago. Um... They've had lots of different ones over the years. So there are different brands that are trending in different markets. Historically, the market for Hanbang Cosmetics has been dominated by Amore Pacific and LG Household and Healthcare, which is unsurprising considering that they are the two biggest conglomerates that play in this space. They have a lot of different brands under their umbrella. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other thing to note about the growth of Hanbang in Korea itself is that domestic the domestic market really has been developed mainly through human sales distribution. So door-to-door sales, uh, at, you know, tele-, tele sales. That's another uh, key way that a lot of older Koreans, not, uh, not really old, but just um, maybe of, you know, my mum's generation, for example, do watch a lot of the, the, the home shopping on TV and a lot of brands are sold and make a name for themselves through home shopping. So that has been the traditional way that um, Hanbang cosmetics have developed and been sold. Uh, Now in terms of why this industry is succeeding, why we're hearing more about it, One of the key reasons is that the government has given a lot of support to this. They've given support for research and development. They have increased the ratio of their investment. Uh, In particular, in addition to Hanbang, they have also invested a lot in fermented cosmetics. So these are, you know, some of the reasons why this uh, branch of the industry is getting more attention is because it has been heavily invested in. By companies, private companies, and also by the government. So that's why we're seeing and hearing more about it. Uh, and hearing more about it in countries that might not be as familiar with the concept of Oriental medicine. I think I've mentioned before that for a lot of these ingredients and the concepts, they were historically a much easier sell in countries that had a shared cultural history uh, and heritage of using oriental medicine practices but these days everything's going global and the brands that once upon a time used to focus all of their attentions on the chinese market are now looking to break into western markets so these kind of things will need to be explained to you know foreigners i guess people that aren't familiar with them in uh, a way that they can really understand and the government has been a supporter of that as well now i did say that i would mention some of the issues with hanbang cosmetics and i think it goes without saying from the definition that i shared with you before that the regulations themselves are Kind of vague. There aren't any specific regulations on herbal medicines uh, specifically. It just is that requirement that you need to have 0.001% of the ingredients in the 13 herbal medicines above, and then you're able to uh, advertise your products as Hunbunk products. The other bone of contention for a lot of people in the industry is that there are no country of origin labelling requirements. So, you know, some people uh, say that, well, if it's Hunbung product, shouldn't it be using Korean ingredients or ingredients of Korean origin? And that is not the case. Uh, To keep costs down, a lot of ingredients are imported from places like uh, Southeast Asia and China uh, where they use those ingredients, but they are cheaper than the ones that are sourced Domestically. So, that is another thing that some people have a bone to pick about. Uh, the other thing is that obviously only one milligram per 100 grams is added to the ingredient. So, um, you know, it's a small amount potentially of the effective ingredient, and it obviously hasn't then been tested by the MFDS. Uh, so, you know, some people say, well, you know, is is it really just a marketing term? And I mean, yes, obviously it is a marketing term. Um, but you know, so many, so many different industries and so many different, um, Parts of the global beauty industry are really no more than marketing terms. Anyway, it's much, uh, it's similar in respect of organic products. A lot of products that are organic, uh, you know, because the definitions are also vague and ambiguous, you know, what does that really mean? You will hear people having debates about that as well. Uh, so the other big thing is that few of these herbal ingredients have been recognized as functional cosmetics, and that is because in a lot of the cases, the scientific data is mm is vague or non-existent. Uh, So that can be a problem because when you use the name Hanbang itself, it can give consumers the impression that the ingredients have been proven to some extent. Uh, You know, when you think of medicine, you think of something that has a lot of scientific data, backing it up uh, to show that it actually does what it says it's going to do. But that's not necessarily the case. And you know that is not unique to uh, humbug. That is the same when it comes to organic cosmetics, even functional cosmetics. There's a lot that can uh, you can say about uh, your functional cosmetics in Korea without having subjected them to tests. So, um, you know, why has this come about? Some people say, well, it's obviously the government just trying to protect and foster this part of the industry, and that's probably also true, Uh, you know, requiring everyone to prove the efficacy of all of the claims they're making will obviously drive up costs for consumers as well. But the reality is that there is a lack of scientific research, Around a lot of the ingredients, and really, what they're doing is just using herbal cosmetics as a concept rather than uh, a data-driven or proven strategy. So, some of the local manufacturers here have sort of put their hat in the ring and said, "We want to actually research this a lot more and you know develop the the herbal cosmetics market." So, there's talks about people doing that, but this is a common um, criticism that you will see levelled against some brands that are making claims. And look, the MFDS does crack down on people making claims that they can't make. Uh, The red ginseng or the anti-aging claims around ginseng are a big one. Companies will get in trouble for, you know, going further than they can uh if it's a company that's only using cultivated ginseng and they're making claims that should only be made about you know wild red ginseng then there have been instances in the past where the mfds will crack down on them uh so look there are some yeah you know topics of conversation, I guess, in the industry about all of these different things, about the fact that the uh, regulations are ambiguous, about the fact that a lot of this really is just a marketing concept more so than a proven uh, functionality of the cosmetics themselves. But this is a growing part of the industry. And, you know, when it comes to ingredients like, for example, mugwort and ginseng, some of them do actually have some good data behind them. Um, you know, whether the individual product itself works in the way that is being claimed is obviously a very different uh, proposition, and that depends on a whole lot of different things, including, uh, you know, the formulation uh you know how it's put together the quality of the ingredients all of those kind of things so it's not just as simple as saying that just because a product has ginseng in it that um you know it's it's going to work in a p- particular way for your skin uh, a lot of the hanbang uh products tend to be a little bit more expensive not always but often that will be because of the various methods of extraction that they need to use Uh, if they're fermenting things, if it's, you know, extracted only from a particular region or whatnot, that all takes longer, which does drive the costs up. But this is a very interesting part of the Korean beauty industry. I don't think it's often spoken about in a whole lot of detail you know people just kind of gloss over it and it's basically like oh yeah it's just all medicine based uh and that's not entirely true as i think you can probably tell from this conversation um you know this habit that people have of linking hanbang to han yuk which is the actual medicine itself is uh, not as straightforward or clear-cut as some of the brands would have you believe and a lot of their time they're riding on um, this this cultural tradition and the heritage of Eastern medicine itself and just sort of you know uh, parlaying that over into their products uh, you know knowing that people have for example a positive um, look, or a positive view on ingredients like ginseng and things like that. So, look, I hope this discussion was interesting, entertaining. I hope that you learned something new that you didn't already know before. If you would like to know more, if this is something that you are interested to know about, uh, come and find me and let me know. Um, Yeah, I just thought that we haven't discussed this at length in any... You know, any great detail really looking into it. So, I wanted to just run through some of the things that I have learnt. Uh, in my time living here, and pass that on to you in case that's of interest to you. And if it is, I would absolutely love it if you would share this episode with someone that you think maybe you've got someone that you know that absolutely loves, you know, a humbung product, or you know, is just interested in different ways that people are making skincare products. This is a particularly Korean way, I think. Um, And yeah, it is an interesting part of the the Korean beauty industry. So that is uh, just a few little things that I wanted to discuss with you. I'm going to finish it up there for today. I will be back in your ears next week with our regular news uh, and updates segment. And I look forward to uh, catching up with you then. And in the meantime, I will see you on stylestory.com.au.